Wake up, boys, there's a light at the window. I can hear someone knocking on the door. There are voices in the street and the sound of running feet, and they whisper the word revolution. There are men coming down from the valleys. There are tall ships lying off the coast, and they carry the light in the dark of the night, like a whisper in the wind. Revolution. Bring my gun and a handful of silver. By the sea, we will gather for the fight. It's been so many years, so many tears. We have lost once before. Now we'll sell the score when our cannons will roar. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to another episode of the Armchair Survivalist. My name is Kurt Wilson. I'm the Armchair Survivalist. And today is May the 3rd in the year 2020. If you go to armchairsurvivalist.com, now you're listening to me because obviously you know at least one way to listen to me. But if you go to armchairsurvivalist.com and scroll down, you'll see this uh, below the little flag, the American flag uh, line that, I, that I've had for 30 years. You'll see ways to listen. And I'm on all kinds of podcast stuff. Stitcher, Anchor, TuneIn, uh, Podbean, iHeartRadio, Pandora. And then there's a whole bunch of them. I don't even know what they are. It, and if you know how to use an RSS feed, I got that right there for you, too. You, you can take that and do whatever you do with it. And I think it has something to do with Apple devices. Or you can listen on satellite. If you have a satellite, you go to, go to Global Star 3 Satellite. And I have there, on all of the armchairsurvivalist.com pages, I have a link to uh, Global Star 3 Satellite. And there's also a 24-7 live feed that you can listen to there. Uh, you, you can't miss it. It's got this cute little uh, satellite dish that's weaving back and forth. You can also listen in the chat room. 
You don't have to join. You can sign up for it, and then you can chat in a chat room. Or you just click on listen in a chat room, and there you are. Or you can listen on your phone. You dial area code 641-741-0371. That's 641-741-0371. And uh, you'll be able to listen. Now, if you miss the show, or you come in late, or whatever... There is a link that says, listen 24 hours a day to the recent show of the Armchair Survivalist. Click here. Do that, and you will hear the most recent show starting. On the left-hand side of the page, you will see the little white nipper dog listening to the RCA Victor gramophone. You click on that, it'll take you to my archive page, which has all of the shows that I've done for the current year. You can click on any of those and listen to them. You can download any of those if you wanted to. They're all there. Uh, and then also on the left-hand side, you will see the links, home, chat room, show notes, survival enterprises. That's my company. You click on show notes and that'll take you to a page that uh, basically is show notes and archive. And it shows each show that I've done for the current year. So let's say last week I talked about the, uh, the first Muslim genocide of the 20th century, which was uh, against the Armenian people. So that would be April 26th. You click on that, and it takes you to a page that shows you everything I talked about, all the source, so you can go and click and see what I was talking about. I don't just talk about stuff. I post where I got the information and where you can go. I also updated that show or that uh, that page. There was an article written years ago. It was titled, The Armenian Genocide and My Grandmother's Secret. And it was a first-hand experience of a woman who lived through that genocide. And I have that posted on that on the uh, that page as well. So anyway, there's all kinds of ways to listen to us. Some quick info on survival enterprises. You can go to SE1, Samuel Edwards, the numeral 1.us, SE1.us, or survivalenterprises.com. And you can see the stuff that we have for sale. Uh, you can also come into the store. We're on Government Way in Hayden, Idaho. And we're open. The store itself is open Tuesday through Saturday, basically 9 to 4 or 4.30. Or, you know, we got a bunch of people in the store. I'm not going to close it. We're closed Sundays and Mondays. The store is. Our phones are open all day, all night, seven days a week. Most of the time, we answer the phone. If we don't answer it, leave a message. We'll call you back. The number for the store and for our website and like that is 800-753-1981. That's 1-800-753-1981. We have a bunch of, well, we, we have not just our nutritional products in the store, but we also, uh, we're, we're major distributors for cold steel knives and, and uh, walking canes. We have those all in the store as well. Oh, and we're downsizing our house, so I'm bringing all kinds of oddball crap from the house, and you never know, literally, you never know what you're going to find in here for sale. I have people come in here once a week just to see what's new. All right, so... We're done with that. I mean, you, you, know, you know how to get a hold of me. You know where I am. Now, I have a bunch of different categories that I normally do on my show, and, and it'd be the economy, health and food, Wuhan virus now, unfortunately, government threat, Islam, the liberal psychosis, Trump. Some of those I don't really have anything of merit for this week. So we're going to be starting off with the economy. This self-inflicted economic disaster that we're going through in the United States We've lost 20 to 25% of all the jobs. Now, 20 to 25% of all the jobs in the United States are gone. They're not coming back. And this is only six weeks old. This whole thing, this, this whole shutdown is just six weeks old. Now, 
by the end of this show, you're going to have a whole bunch of information, and it's usually uh, usually you get upset or just pissed off when you hear me. So I think this time you're going to be pissed off. So this is we've shot ourselves in the foot. Unfortunately, we've uh, been good little sheeple and followed the rules of all the ruling elites who have ordered us to close our businesses. So these companies, they close their businesses, and they're out of business. A lot of them are out of business. I'm looking right now down government way and there's half a dozen stores that are empty these are these are not just little pohunk stores these are big these are 5,000 10,000 square footers they're closed and empty they're not going to be coming back we might have we might have maybe 50 percent of the businesses of employees coming back unemployment now that it came out this week that 30 million people have applied for unemployment. That's not true. That's totally not true. Because I've talked to people who are applying for unemployment. It takes a week to two weeks simply to apply because they're being crashed. The website's crashed. And you can't go in the office now. Why? Of course not, because they're practicing social distancing and uh, fear-mongering. There have been 30 million people that have been approved for unemployment. There has been well over 50 to 60 million people who have applied for unemployment. That far surpasses anything that that occurred during the Great Depression. Never mind this recession thing that we had. I'm talking the Great Depression. And then I I get reports from from, uh, real estate agents and uh, realtor organizations and the pending home sales in March tanked. They're down 21%. Duh. Who's going to want to go? They're not showing. Realtors aren't showing homes. So people aren't going to buy them. So that's an expected thing. What's not expected is that the real estate agents are all saying, oh, that does not, that's not going to affect the prices. No, 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 no. The prices are still going to stay stay phenomenally high, just like they are here in Coeur d'Alene and Hayden, Idaho. Oh, no. This is just because people aren't buying houses doesn't mean that when they do, that they aren't going to be willing to pay these uh, astoundingly high prices for the houses anymore. Yeah, we'll see about that. Yeah, let's get into food and health. So Costco, Walmart, Kroger have been caught price gouging. You know, it's hard to figure it out when you don't pay attention to what the prices were last week or the week before the week before. You just go in and you see you see eggs, uh, $4.29 a dozen. And you think, well, didn't I pay $2 a dozen for them? And your wife goes, yeah, that was 10 years ago. Okay, they're getting, they're caught. They've all been caught price gouging. Now, they're, they're talking about eggs in this in this uh, Fox News thing. But there's more to it than that. There's all these little, little things that they're putting prices, they're jacking the prices up. I'll give you an example how this works. Safeway, years ago in the 70s, they got nailed by the Department of Weights and Measures. Not on meat, on toilet paper. See, toilet paper is the backbone of the American industry, apparently, so to speak. Anyway, they were caught, uh, and I'll tell you what they did in a minute, but they were caught and they were fined over $3 million. What they were doing was charging one cent per roll more than was marked. One cent. People weren't catching that. But the Department of Weights and Measures came in, and Truth and Labeling Laws, and a whole bunch of different federal agencies checked into this, and they all got their piece of it. Yeah, one cent per roll. There's problems with food growing all over the world. And right now, I got information from Czechoslovakia 
they are going through the worst drought they've ever had in 500 years. This is not lightweight, and it's obviously not just affecting that one country. And I have been harping on this food thing now since before. Hell, I've been harping on on people should be storing food and growing food for 20 years. But it's getting, it's getting worse. And I know you guys are seeing it. And I'll tell you this. I told you so. Last week, I said two things. One, the price on meat is going to go up. It's going to skyrocket. And then it's going to disappear. Those are the two things that, 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 that's going to happen with meat. And it's happening right now. In fact, they're both happening at the same time. Price of meat's going up. And, and I mean beef, chicken, pork, and availability is dropping. In fact, stores are now rationing. Hell, Costco tells you you, you, you can only buy three meat products when you walk in the door. You can only buy three things. So uh, you can get a chub of, of uh, bologna. You can get one of their cooked chickens for $4.99. And you can get five pounds of T-bone steak, and that's it. Yeah, Costco is another thing. Costco, for some, some reason, they've decided to uh, flex their muscles. And they've ordered that starting Monday this coming Monday, everybody in the store is going to be wearing a mask. They're not supplying it. You're going to. If you want to go into Costco starting Monday, you will have a mask on or they won't let you in. Now, Costco members or employees, none of them have been sick anywhere. None of them died anywhere. This is just part of the pandemic. They have to subjugate us and make sure that we're good little sheeple willing to follow their orders. So uh, my wife and I made our last shopping trip yesterday. And I won't be going back until this psychosis is done with. Now, Trump this week signed an executive order ordering all of these closing meatpacking plants to stay open. and Keep them manned, which isn't going to make a damn bit of difference because they're not going to have anything to pack. It's... It's happening all over the world because everywhere restaurants are shut down, schools are shut down, bars are shut down, so there's nowhere to sell all of this meat. This is the same thing that basically happened during the Depression, is that there was so much meat, beef, pork, chicken, turkeys, and nobody had money, so nobody was buying them. So instead of donating them, now you, got, you have to understand, the United States government, the U.S. Department of Agriculture, controls the food supply, they 100% in the United States. You are told what to grow, when to grow it, and where to grow it, and what not to grow. And you're told how many cattle you can have, and how many pigs you can have, and how many chickens you can You're told all of this stuff. And they're telling everyone now, kill them. It's called depopulate your herd. You ever heard that term, depopulate? Yeah, the, the, the U.S. meat supply is down. There are millions and millions of pounds not being slaughtered for food. They're being depopulated, euthanized. The meat supply in the United States, and we're talking all forms of meat, including fish, chicken, you know, fish, poultry, beef, pork. We, we've got eight to ten days supply left, and that's it. And the Ice Age farmer has a lot more to say on this. The powers that be are actively now making their move to take 
total control over the food supply, just as they are most things right now. This is a complete blitzkrieg across all vectors of society and resources. And food is the one area that's not nearly being discussed enough. The meat shortages and the food shortages, the supply chain interruptions about which this channel has been warning for months and years, in fact, now, are now playing out. They are now being brought into the spotlight for the public's eye to see, with Tyson Foods taking out full-page ads in multiple publications about the fact that the f- explaining that the food supply chain is, is broken. And then with today, President Trump coming out and issuing an executive order mandating that these meat processing plants that have been shutting down reopen and they keep serving up American foods. People's attention is very much on this. It's suddenly very much in the limelight. And so when a problem is served up on a platter like that to the public, generally it's because there's also a solution that's being suggested for people. No matter how unpalatable or totalitarian that solution may seem, given enough pain with the problem, people generally accept it, right? We've all heard about this Hegelian dialectic that's playing out right now. And so we don't have time to, to somehow celebrate that these predictions have come to pass, that all of the horrible things that we anticipated would happen, given the supply chain crumbling, is now happening. There's millions of livestock producers are in, just in shambles around the, the country. But would you believe that the, the military is right now deploying an artificial intelligence agent and hooking it up to all of the logistics information from the supply chain, all of the smart farming data from John Deere and all those smart farming appliances, and most consumers certainly right down to every retail purchase at the store. They need complete information awareness of all resources, even and especially food. And that has been deployed now. It's being announced publicly. This is not a conspiracy theory. And as we've been anticipating, the National Guard has been deployed now. The military is involved with serving food to Americans now. You can see these pictures of the National Guard deployed to Texas uh, in Cold Spring, also in New Braunfels. Armed guards deploying, giving you your food. This is grocery shopping in 2020. Would you like fries with that? Here's an armed carrier unloading food to the Salvation Army. This is in Ohio. Here it is in Delaware, National Guard. Here it is in South Carolina, National Guard issuing groceries to you. I mean, this scene is playing out Arizona. This scene is playing out around the nation right now. The military has become involved with guarding the food supply and ensuring order around people picking up their food. But it's not just the military being involved. You know, grocery stores, as we expect, are now having trouble getting meat and keeping it on the shelves. Rationing is being discussed. They're using different cuts. All the things we talked about are playing out. And the word that I'm getting from producers, uh, there's just no way to adequately summarize or convey to you the intensity and the emotion, but, but the gravity of the situation. Producer I heard from who says, quote, on the pig side of things, the closest analogy I can think of is that we're in a car. We have crashed through the guardrails. We're sailing off of the cliff right now. We haven't felt the impact of the landing. We're just starting to fall, but it's clear their trajectory. We know where we're going, and we're going into food shortages, protein shortages. It's not just the millions of livestock, of chickens, of calves euthanized, of hogs who've been aborted. Those are just the livestock. It's also the producers that are getting slaughtered right now. Here from National Journal, the pandemic exposes inefficiencies in agriculture. Industry leaders see a bloodbath on the horizon for producers and distributors. And as a war on farmers and ranchers and on your ability to produce food in any context other than their lab-grown meat, other than their totalitarian society and their 
complete control over you. And here it is, right? That's the only investments that are being made right now. Impossible Foods CFO says, hey, we're about to bring our fake meat into a thousand more retail stores, the same ones that can't get real meat. Impossible Foods, of course, funded to the tunes of millions and millions of dollars by Bill Gates and by other billionaires. We've talked a lot about those people before. We don't have time to go back into Jeff Bezos and Bill Gates today. I just want to point out it's not just the meat packing facilities. We've also seen large orchards that are being affected by the virus with half of the staff at a central Washington orchard testing positive for COVID-19, even though they were completely asymptomatic, now the operation is considering shutting down because you can't just keep working when you've got this completely asymptomatic virus in your midst shut down. But it's not really the crops as much. Although if we have problems getting harvest labor, this is going to really hit home. But mostly the agenda right now is around those meat packing facilities. And again, we see continuing the trend of other countries shutting down their exports, instituting what the UN is calling protectionist nationalist policies. In other words, just making sure that they can feed their people. But as these full page ads go out, and as Tyson says, yeah, there's a complete breakdown. We need to offer help to producers here to so that they can get rid of their animals because we can't process them. The USDA this is a hidden battle, ladies and gentlemen. I don't see anybody else talking about it. The USDA came out and said, we need to open these packing facilities just for slaughter. Never mind the food. We don't need the food. With congressmen actively warning food shortages are coming. Massey's been saying this for weeks now. But look at this. Here, the House Ag Chairman... Peterson, Democrat, Minnesota, was talking to reporters about how we need to reopen the JBS plant in Minnesota just to euthanize 13,000 hogs a day, not to slaughter them, not for food, just as a killing machine. We're also considering getting other plants engaged in the destruction of the United States food supply. We're down 700,000 head right now a week. Yes, that's true. And it's not just the big packers that have been approached by the USDA, by the criminal USDA, that we have documented lying about the severity of the crop losses last season. We know the USDA is part of the Department of War. It always has been. Here from the Schultz Family Farms, it's not just the big plants either. The USDA was also asking our local butcher if he'd be willing to kill hogs. We just killed, we'll just bring in some pigs. You can kill them for us. We don't want the meat. That's ridiculous. The USDA is trying to make this as bad as possible. They are trying to create the Holodomor 2.0 to starve the people out. That's how the, the communists always get their power. They institute these man-made famines. Look at the Ukraine. Look at China. They always work this way. And so when Pr Trump today issues this executive order, this is a direct response this is the USDA trying to kill as many of our livestock as possible using the very facilities that are supposed to be shut down under guise of the virus, but it's it's somehow okay to open them just to kill off the livestock, just to destroy your food. That's fine. Don't serve it up to us now. So that is what made this happen. This is Trump responding to their attempt to completely gut the whole protein sector of the United States. And now we'll see the left will dress this up as him saying that his hamburgers are more important than people's lives. I expect this to be completely politicized hyper-partisan the same way that they're doing with everything else right now. We know how the media plays. I hope this was illustrative of what's actually playing out right now. The USDA, like many of these governors, are trying to make this as bad as possible. They want people to die. They want people to starve. And they want to blame this guy. And then they'll bring in their fake meat and their total control and their AI systems that we're about to talk about here in a second. Just as I had predicted also a few months ago that these grocery stores are going to become AI commissaries of the prison planet. Now we see it happening. It's still sounds outlandish, even though it's being publicly rolled out and implemented right now. Let's dig into this article from the Defense One. Pentagon will use artificial intelligence to predict panic buying and find hotspots and then manage resources 
resource allocations. In other words, the computer is going to decide based on your social credit score whether or not you get food this week. What does your ration card look like? I'll ask the computer. Were you doing your social distancing? Maybe you'll get a piece of meat. Did you break your quarantine? Yeah, no, we're not going to even feed you this week. No, you're not going to get your digital dollars. Here's the article. This prototype deployed by the DOD can predict trends in supply and demand in infection down to the zip code. The coronavirus has revealed ju- that just-in-time supply lines don't always operate as they should, right? There's the problem, reaction solution of the dialectic. Now that we see that there are food shortages, now that this has happened, well, now we can roll out our AI. Fortune 500 companies use AI to improve their ability to deal with things. Why shouldn't NORCOM, U.S. Northern Command? And so the Joint Artificial Intelligence Center has a prototype AI tool that uses a wide variety of data streams to predict hotspots of the virus and also to find logistics and supply chain issues. Quote, you have to be looking a little into the future, says the CTO of the JAIC, dubbed Salus for the Roman goddess of health and well-being. That's also the goddess of the health of the state, which is a big difference there. The tool can work on a scale as wide as the entire nation, but it can also drill right down into specific zip codes and even stores. Initially, we deployed it to work with masks and ventilators, but, quote, the next question was really resource allocations, like food. How are we going to decide? We've only got so much food now. How do we pick who gets it? Where are we going to send it? Do we prioritize the cities so that they don't riot over the rural areas? They're already doing that. The process for this AI starts with finding as much data as possible. A lot of the information comes from public sources like census and neighborhood data, but other data sources come from, ah, from private-public partnerships. It's made available. We can't tell you about those partnerships because we have NDAs with them, non-disclosure agreements. Keep the government from telling you how they're learning everything about you. But, quote, the hope is that if we do this right, we can make this the platform for all supply and logistics services. You just plug in whatever data set and the algorithm works just the same. It may also become a part of the Joint All-Domain Command and Control, or JADC2, a massive effort to digitally interlink weapons, vehicles, and personnel. We might consider it. Maybe we'll put in your food supply chain data into our weapons system, our CNC, Command and Control System. I mean, after all, we can confirm, quote, Project Salus is a prototype for that, JADC2, and ultimately it does perform a function that enables a portion of the whole concept. So yes, it's a necessary component of our complete world control AI that we're building. Maybe we'll plug it in. I mean, this is com- the, the language here is just stunning. They literally admit that this is this is part of their AI takeover, but then they say, maybe we'll plug it in, just maybe it's a prototype. So they're completely downplaying it here, but hopefully this is illustrated to you what's going on here. This is a public rollout of total information awareness of everything from the smart farming to the eye in the sky, looking down from satellites and getting a view of the fields of what you're growing to the motion of things through the supply chain. We've talked about the blockchain, food supply chain they were interacting, um, and now straight down to retail motions and, and retail purchases at the individual level. And I guarantee this will tie into those, the carbon allowance. You'll only be allowed to buy four pieces of meat because otherwise you ex- exceed your carbon threshold, your carbon allowance for food. This is the total information awareness that enables all of these things. And there's no coincidence in the fact that this is being rolled out at the same time as the digital ID, as the immunization passport, all of this bid for total control of society. So naturally, yes, naturally it applies to the food supply chain as well, to what you're eating. And ladies and gentlemen, that's why growing your own food and saving seeds 
doing things that are out of their awareness is anathema to their totalitarian takeover. They cannot tolerate that. Using herbs as medicine? No, 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 no. You need to come to our system, to our doctors. Saving seeds? No, 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 no. You need to come get our GMO Terminator seeds. Or better yet, just buy from the AI commissaries. See how they are corralling humanity into a very small pen. So what is the response to that? Anything that they can't control, any counter-economic activity, trading, bartering, sharing tools, sharing skills, sharing seeds, planting seeds, growing food yourself, none of that is within their ability to track you. And that's why you've already seen governors start the trajectory that way, start to make it illegal to buy seeds online. A lot of that's being rolled back, but it's just a question of when it goes into effect. If not this crisis, then the next one. The trajectory is clear. And so too then is it clear how we must respond to this massive consolidation of control and information and everything being consolidated and centralized. The response is to decentralize. Decentralized food production means everyone's growing, means you're growing food, I'm growing food. If your food dies, I've got seeds for you to start again. It was how humanity has always done. It's how we've always gotten through. Neighbors taking care of each other. Communities. It's clear right now the weapon for this takeover is food. And so just as you've heard, America could never be invaded by force because there would be a gun behind every blade of grass. Well, we need to do the same thing. If their weapon now is food, then we need to know there is a victory garden in every home. That is the best defense. I'm watching all of this, all of this uh, play out now. I'm, I'm watching the food because, uh, you know, if you've listened to me for any length of time, you know that I pay close attention to food, not just vegetables and fruit, but also the uh, proteins. So what's happening is that people aren't, they're, they're not really understanding the concept of what's coming. And I've told you, and I'm going to tell you every show. As the Schumer hits the fan, it's going to be so fast, your, your head's going to spin. You're not going to know. You're not going to get warning that's, that it's happening. In fact, the media is going to cover this up as much as they can. So unless, of course, they can turn it around to blame Trump and the Republicans, and then, then they will. But what I'm seeing, literally, is a collapse of a nation using the political process that was put into power starting in the 80s and trump unfortunately he stepped into a pair of boots that were tied on his feet but he put them on and he's running he's trying to do everything he can but unfortunately every single person around him is deep state and deep state is not just in the united states this is, deep state is a colloquialism for those who would control the world or globalists, or Illuminati, or any number of words will fit. He's doing the best he can so that he doesn't get assassinated in, in the middle of the night, or at a press conference, for that matter. And I, I'm astounded that he's, he's still there. Uh, he, he must care so much about the United States and its people. He's willing to fight all the enemies of America, the Democrats, the media, and most of the Republicans. But this thing, this thing that's happening, this food thing. Look at the vegetables. Look at the price of vegetables. Look at look at the availability of fruit and vegetables. Food ads, ladies and gentlemen, food ads come out on up here Saturday and uh, Wednesday. Two different newspapers. Buy them and stock up. Yeah, if you want to grow food, go right ahead, uh, and I, I suggest that you do so. Buy heirloom seeds. 
and start throwing them. You know, seeds grow by accident, literally. If you have to, and my mom did this years ago. She didn't prepare the, the land. She didn't prepare our backyard. She just went out with a shovel, poked holes, and stuck corn in there and started to grow corn in the backyard in the middle of the grass. And I had to mow around it, by the way. And we had a 18-inch push mower that my dad had bought at Sears. I learned how to sharpen that. And that's, that's what I used to mow the yard with, which was fun until one day I almost got arrested. I, uh, I like to make words when I'm mowing the yard. And one day, now we live next to Moffett Field, a lot of air traffic around our house. And I, uh, <clears throat> I cut the words, the word help in the backyard. And then I went inside and I was using the bathroom. And then when I come out, there is a uh, two police cars in the front yard. And they wanted to know from my father, why, why did he put the big word help in the backyard? And he looked at me <laughs> and he said, here, Kurt, uh, you need to talk to these gentlemen. He knew I'd done it. Anyway, all right, now we're going to get into the Wuhan virus. Not a lot in that, because pretty much everything everything that should be considered in there is already considered, and people have heard about it for weeks. This, I got this article about contaminated heroin in New York City, contaminated with the Wuhan virus. And I'm thinking, wow, that is really evil. And then I, I was talking to my son about it, and he goes, Dad... I've heard you a dozen times tell me tell the listeners different stories about some new disease and then how all of a sudden it's it's found in heroin. He said, "You know that's a hoax and the police department's putting that out." And literally, and this is the truth, every year there's some new virus or some new disease or something and the police departments, especially in New York City, start advertising how they they will for free check your heroin to make sure it doesn't have any uh, any virus or bacteria in it. And believe it or not, there are people stupid enough to bring their heroin into the police department and say, can you check this for me, please? Yes, I don't even need to talk about that one. The big thing in this Wuhan thing, and I, I'll have a, a, a clip for it next week. I don't have it now. I didn't have time. The death count in the United States is probably about 50% higher than reality. And, it's, and I've talked to a friend of mine who is a mortician. If you die, let's say the majority of people are not dying in a hospital. The majority of people are dying at home, either from accidents, heart attacks, or something like that. So if you call up and say, Uncle Joe died, and they'll say, what did he die from? I don't know. He sneezed twice and then died. Oh, coronavirus. So they're padding the numbers. And it's proven. When I talked to this friend of mine who's a mortician, he said, look, it's we're being told if we can't guarantee that this guy died from a uh, myocardial infraction or a brain tumor or hit by a bus, then they're just going to say Wuhan virus, coronavirus. Counties get about forty thousand dollars per person, twenty to forty thousand dollars per person for each person who dies of the virus from the federal government. So the death count in the United States is one hundred percent political. You know, up here. In North Idaho, in the Panhandle, no deaths, less than 80 uh, people who have ever tested positive. And these numbers, when you say when, when you see up on a screen 272,000 people test positive for the disease, that's not all at once, for crying out loud. That's during from the beginning. And then you see 272,000 test positive, 110 deaths. Oh, for crying out loud. Anyway, we'll get into that. 
we'll get into that. So now, I don't have anything for Islam because they do what they always do. They don't give a damn. They slit each other's throat. They kill women. The liberal psychosis, that's pretty much apparent everywhere you look. I don't need to talk about that. But I do need to talk about government threat. That's the big one. Do you know who started all of this lockdown concept? All of it. The World Health Organization. The World Health Organization is an organization created and ran by a communist organization called the UN. The guy in charge of the World Health Organization isn't even a doctor. They just came up with this idea. And just so you guys know, and and most of you don't know this, all the governors, and this is why a governor in California is going to be saying the same thing a governor in New Jersey is saying. It's because all governors in the United States belong to an organization, and this organization has has uh, meetings once, well, at least twice a week. Most of the time, they'll get together every other day. And it's done on some kind of network like Zoom. It's a conference call type thing. And that's why you'll hear them using the same words and saying the same things. This is a conspiracy. And we'll get to that later. So Bill Gates, as we all know, thinks that he's some kind of a expert on vaccinations. Did you know that he basically murdered over half a million children in India, vaccinating them, and they all got the polio vaccine, which had polio in it? And this is Bill Gates, and he's the one that's funding everything that has to do with vaccinations. Do you hear about the Michigan protesters that stormed the state capitol? See, Michigan... Michigan is is not really part of the United States anymore. You know, certain states become so infected with psychosis that they don't even qualify as American. Michigan's one of them. They have so many many Muslims there and communists that they don't really, they're, they're not considered part of the United States anymore. Their governor is a communist female. And she is... Oh man, she is banning everything, ordering everyone to do to stop, stay home, don't move, don't come outside. We'll arrest you if you if we find you walk into your mailbox. So what happens is Michigan protesters they get people in Michigan got pissed off and they stormed the Capitol. Now they didn't really storm the Capitol; they just went to the Capitol. The majority of them were armed with AR-15s, pistols. They didn't do anything, and the arrogant police just stood in front of them and said, "No, you can't go in." No, 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 no. You're not going to hurt us. You're not going to. You're not going to do anything to us. Do you? Do you know why all of this crap is happening right now? What happened to cause the globalists? And if you notice, all of these governors that are totalitarian are Democrats. We don't count the governor we have here. He, his action and intelligence last. Uh, it it uh, emulates his last name, which is Little. He's supposed to be a Republican. He is not. He's a globalist. So why did this? Why is this happening right now? Because the baby boomers are dying off. Who's the baby boomers? These, these people are the ones that were born right after World War II. They're considered the movers and pushers of society. They were. They created everything. But they're dying off. And in the United States, there's not many brave people. More cowards than anything else. The knowledge of the past has been perverted. The past is where you learn what happened and how not to do it again. No. Instead, it's being perverted into global warming, tolerance, acceptance of insanity and incompetence, massive immigration of enemy races, massive government-funded drugging 
of men, women, and children and the destruction of morals. These are just some minor things, right? The heroes of yesterday, are they're all but gone. And the concept of heroes has been replaced with social distancing. This is why it's happening now, because their plan has come to fruition. They knew that they were going to have the least amount of resistance. And that's what's happening right now. Well, that commie governor in uh, Michigan, right after the protesters went to the Capitol, she comes out and says, I think we're going to have to uh, make this a, a lot more strict. We're going to have to extend our lockdown and all of this and blah, blah, blah. And the Senate and the House said, no way, we're not doing that. Well, we'll see how that plays out. So Fauci, uh, this is the so-called expert that Trump has with him on pandemics, he says that uh, we need to really start pushing the the remdesivir. It's a drug that's never been approved by the FDA. It was supposed to be used to treat Ebola. Uh, he says, yeah, that's it's, it's shown up. It's done really well. It's uh, We don't need to waste our time with uh, hydroxychloroquine, even though hydroxychloroquine has pretty much cured 91% of the people it's been used on. But it's also cheap, whereas this remdesivir is like $1,000 a dose. I guarantee you, you're going to find that this weasel has his finger in the company somehow and is making kickbacks from that. Now, I got information, and I saw this. I saw this, and then I heard some other news that just, it literally brought tears to my eyes. New York was talking about how they're going to hire an army of tracers. And these are people who... They, uh, let's say you you, sh- you end up with uh, you're sick with the with with the virus. Well, these tracers are going to talk to you about who have you talked to, who have you been near, who who do you know that you've you've come close to, and then they're going to trace back and see how many people have been subsequently affected. Hence the term tracing. And then I hear this thing about how this this uh, communist in Washington, just 15 miles west of me is going to put together an army of 1,500 tracers. And these tracers are going to find out who you've been near, and they're going to help them quarantine in quarantine places that this this communist has set up throughout Washington. This is is not, not good stuff. This is like, you listen to the opening song, the music, my intro? This is where revolutions start. When people are fed up and when they finally can't take it anymore. I tell a story about my, my grandpa told me when I was a kid. He was a, the uh, sheriff of Hangtown years ago during the Depression. Hangtown it was, it was Placerville. There were wooden sidewalks. And his what he did every day, he got up at 4 a.m. and he walked the sidewalks to make sure there were no drunks laying out there or broken windows or, you know, things like that. And one Sunday morning, he comes walking around this one curve, and right in the middle of the sidewalk is a big, fresh, steaming pile of bear crap. (laughs) That ain't my job to clean up, and he walked around it. All that day, everybody who walked by complained how bad that was, and how it stunk, and how "Ah, there's things moving in it. Oh, this is disgusting. Somebody needs to clean that up, but it's not my job, so I'm just going to keep on going. So it stayed there. Monday morning, the mayor's coming down the street, and he's waving at everybody. He trips and falls face first into it. You bet it got cleaned up right then and there. And that's the problem with Americans. They have to have their face rubbed in the crap personally before they'll actually do anything. And we're getting our face rubbed in it 
way more than has ever happened in the history of this country from the first day we stepped on this land. This is more heinous than anything that has ever happened in the United States. But that's just the beginning because Bill Gates has been talking about how everybody who has had the disease should have a uh, a mark uh, or a uh, card that shows that they're they're okay. Well, there's this new this new technology called quantum dots, and these are dots that are fluorescent and they're uh, carried via crystalline structures that you inject in your skin. The Massachusetts Institute of Technology, they created this micro-needle platform. And what it does, it can it can not only inject you with a vaccine or something, but it can leave your skin marked plainly to see nine months. So here's this thing, and it's called quantum dots. And it's very simple. It's, there it is on your arm. Right there on your forearm, you know? You know, right there on the forearm, if you just move the... Uh, the uh, serial number, the barcode that you have on your forearm, if you live through Auschwitz, uh, you just put it over to the side of that, and it would be right there. Now, Trump Trump come out, and he did an executive order, and people are going, what the hell is all this about? Now, this doesn't have anything to do with the virus. It's executive order on securing the United States bulk power system. In other words, infrastructure and technology. I, Donald J. Trump, President of the United States of America, find that foreign adversaries are increasingly creating and exploiting vulnerabilities in the United States bulk power system, which provides electricity that supports our national defense, vital emergency services, critical infrastructure, economy, and way of life. What bulk power means is anything that is connected to electricity. I talked about this last week, about how there are over 40 police departments using these drones donated by China to verify that people are following uh, social distancing and all of this crap. And the interesting thing is that these drones all record what's happening to the cloud, which China has full access to. What this looks like to people who don't really look at it close is that Trump is saying, well, we're not going to buy any more generators or or hydroelectric stuff from uh, adversaries. Okay, he doesn't say China. He says adversaries. China is an adversary of the United States. But in reality, what he's saying is you guys are not going to be buying anything that that is going to be connecting to our infrastructure from adversaries. And it turns out one of the reasons he did this is because Amazon, Amazon. Okay, you guys, most of you don't know this. Amazon and eBay are no longer platforms, just platforms for people to sell on. They're actual merchandising uh, platforms for themselves. Let's say I sell a type of lingerie and I'm kicking butt and I'm selling it on Amazon. What Amazon does is finds where they can have it made cheaper and then they come out and they go into competition against me. I discovered this by accident with eBay. I bought some products from eBay. I'm looking for gaskets for, you know, those uh, those five-gallon red jerry cans that have this two-and-a-half-inch uh, plug that goes on the top screws down. Well, those gaskets are rubber gaskets, and they rot out. So I'm looking for gaskets. So I'm finding, I'm going on eBay, and I'm finding all of these gaskets, and then I'm like, geez, that's expensive, and I need like 20 of them. And then I find, out of the blue, somebody's selling 100 at a time. So I bought them. In the email I get after you buy something, 
It's eBay thanking me for buying something from them. So they obviously noticed that these these gaskets are being sold a lot, so they decided to cash in on it. So in other words, right Amazon was what's happening with Amazon is that they are building cameras. You know these uh, Alexas, uh, Alexas you have, the Echo Dot and the, all of these things that talk to you, make your house smart. Well, they have these these cameras that hook into your smart house and they needed special uh, parts inside of them. So they're getting them directly from China. And these parts inside of these cameras hook onto the cloud. So all of these things that are made in China have known back doors that are hooking onto the cloud. Do you know how hard it is to find security cameras that don't hook onto the cloud? We're going crazy. And then we found it. We just here at Survival Enterprises, I found a couple that don't, and we're trying to program them properly. Now, what, another reason why this is happening now, all of this 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 shutdown and all of this crap is because of Common Core. And this is, again, has nothing to do with whether you're a Democrat, Communist, Republican, because the governor that brought Common Core to to, uh, Idaho was a Republican, theoretically. Turns out he was a globalist. So Common Core basically made children stupid. I'm not exaggerating. I uh, I have a link here that shows reading and math scores in the U.S. have suffered historic decline since most states implemented the Common Core's curriculum standard six years ago. Common Core is a ploy of the communists at the U.N. to literally make people stupid. You know, when I grew up, two plus two equals four. That's five digits. Two plus two equals four. Okay? Common Core made that so difficult that children couldn't even figure that out. Because Common Core says, well, there's there's 18 different steps you use to get the answer. Like, what? See, in, in, in health and survival and mathematics, you've got to follow the KISS formula. Keep it simple, stupid. And Common Core violated that. And that's why we have children. We Helen, here in Idaho, children do not graduate high school with a high school education, quote-unquote. Now, that's not all of them. There's probably about 10% that do. But the majority of them can't read. They can't write. They sure can't write. But they can poke a phone, and they can't do mathematics. So, Idaho had to come up with a solution. What's the solution? It's called a bridge academy. And this is where all of these kids who decide they want to go to college, who aren't going to pass any exam because they can't read, write, or do arithmetic, they go to this bridge academy, and the academy teaches them how to read and write and do arithmetic. And they do it in three months as opposed to years. But this common core has made people stupid. And when you have stupid people, they'll fall for anything. Right now, you got a lot of the kids are at home being, uh, what is it, streaming schools. You know, they're, they're, they're watching TV or TV or the computer or something and they're learning things theoretically. Well, this is another example of stupid. China has a teaching program that they're giving away free online. And what it does is it teaches children communism. It's a company called Lingo Bus, and it teaches children, you know, basic ideas, mathematics, reading, writing. But what it does is insinuates everything. It, it, it insidiously teaches them communis- communism also, the ideas of communism. Did you hear about Michael Flynn? and the news that was released this week. Basically, the prosecutor 
that put him away found thousands and thousands of pages of uh, data that shows he's innocent and that shows that the FBI under Obama created this entrapment to try and destroy Trump. Paperwork's all there. The Attorney General is going after every single person that's involved from the James Comey all the way down. We'll see what happens. We'll see what happens. Here in the state of Idaho, and I mentioned this, you know, we have these mass isolation orders and all of this crap. Of course, most people up here just ignored it. But the uh, the problem is, is the governor... See, we have a, a, a constitution in Idaho. Not what most people have. This is a real constitution. We actually have a Second Amendment in uh, in our constitution that we can carry anything we want. We can carry switchblade knives. We can buy, sell. We can pretty much do anything we want up here with firearms as long as you know we're, we're legal people and not criminals. But problem with this governor, he has violated the Constitution. I have a page here that links directly to it, and it tells you exactly what he's done and, and, and uh, what he's done wrong. And Well, there is a petition out right now to recall Governor Brad Little. I'll have a link to that. Unfortunately, not many people are spreading the link around, and it's probably not going to go anywhere, and nobody really cares. But, you know, and here's the sad thing. This is at change.org, and this is a this is a liberal communist place where they keep having these, these little uh, petitions that say, throw Trump out of the White House, and you'll find 2.5 million people sign that. We got like 120 people that have signed this recall Governor Brad Little. So I'm going to have a link to that. Yeah, we'll, we'll see what happens. My sister-in-law sent me an article from a reverend that she she goes to his church, North Lake Baptist Church. His name is Reverend Danny Jones. This guy sums this whole thing up at very astutely. You want to put it all together, this is how you're going to do it. For at least the last 100 years, billionaire bankers and businessmen have been trying to sell the world on a one-world government. After World War I, they tried to establish the League of Nations, and that failed. And then after World War II, they established United Nations and have dumped billions of dollars into it trying to build their new world order. And we're almost there. So do I think that the coronavirus is a sign of the end of the world? I don't think so. But I do think this COVID-19 is a drill. It's a simulation. It's a dress rehearsal, if you will, to work out the bugs and get all the nations prepared for this final world government. For the last three months, we've watched our globalist leaders manipulate us with the Marxist revolutionary technique known as the Hegelian dialectic. It's a very complicated philosophical thing, but it can actually be salted down to about three points. And that is called problem, reaction, solution. The way you change cultures is using problem, reaction, solution. So these globalists, they cause a problem, be it terrorism, a pandemic, or global warming, or whatever they want to come up with. And then they wait for our reaction. Our reaction as people tends to be the same. Oh, no, we're all going to die. Somebody do something. And then they have the solution, a prepackaged, ready for us, usually involves more government control of our lives. So let's look at the timetable a little bit. Sometimes it gets blurred with our uh, 24-hour news cycles that go through. But let's look back at the timeline and see the changes that have occurred in the last couple of years that's brought about our current predicament, which for us began on March 15th when President Trump declared a state of emergency for coronavirus. Three years ago, November the 8th, 2016, Donald Trump shocked the world 
by winning the presidency of the United States of America. He won this election by promising to make America great again, to put a stop to the globalist agenda, to close our borders, and to quit paying all the bills for United Nations and NATO. Also to stop uh, this man-made global climate change hoax and to stop the one-sided trade deals. He said, I want international trade, but it needs to be fair trade, not with America always being on the other end of the hook there. So once he started all this, immediately the globalist billionaire banking and business class turned on him. The press attacked him. Democrat politicians and never-Trump Republicans began trying to impeach him. That went on for about three years. And then once that failed, the next move was coronavirus. Now in the past, it was usually David Rockefeller who was pulling the strings on around the world on these globalist movements. But he died in March 2017. We never did think he would, but he died in March 2017 at 101 years old. And of course, then there's George Soros. He always gets the blame. He's 90 years old. Right now, he's not having much to say, but he is heavily invested in pharmaceuticals. And so it appears that Bill Gates is taking the lead of this billionaire's club move toward a one world order. Uh, one of the other elder statesmen of this bunch is Henry Kissinger, who is now 97 years old. And ever since I was a little kid, Henry Kissinger's been on the radio and on the TV talking about his new world order. Anyhow, he wrote an op-ed piece on April the 3rd rejoicing about how this new world order would lead us to how this coronavirus would lead us to this new world order. So he is so proud of Bill Gates, he said there. So apparently Bill Gates is the anointed one. He is one of the richest globalists today. He's co-founder of Microsoft, who is now working to give away his nearly $100 billion fortune through the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation. His pet projects are population control and vaccinations. His father was a board member for the abortion provider Planned Parenthood, who helped young Bill understand as he grew up the need for global birth control to save the planet. Vaccinations, strangely, by Bill, are considered a subset of population control. Bill has this theory that if less babies died in infancy, then parents will want fewer children. And so he works all this population control and vaccinations through something called the Good Club. You can look it up on the Internet. The Good Club is made up of other globalist billionaires like George Soros, Warren Buffett, Oprah Winfrey, uh, the Rockefeller family, uh, the Ted Turner Foundation, etc. Two years ago, on January the 17th of 2017, at the World Economic Forum in Davos, Switzerland, for those of you that's not aware of what goes on in Davos, Davos, they have this January meeting every year where 3,000 of the world's wealthiest people gather every year to figure out how to rule the world. Bill Gates, back in 2017, initiated a new working group called CEPI, the Coalition for Epidemic Preparedness Innovations. It's a collaboration of the Gates Foundation, the governments of Norway, India, Japan, and Germany, and two big pharmaceutical companies called Inovio and Moderna. They also included DARPA, which is the Defense Advanced Research Projects Agency, also known as the mad scientist of the Department of Defense. It also included the Army, U.S. Army's Medical Research Institute of Infectious Diseases, that's the mad scientists of the Army, that work out of Fort Detrick, Maryland. This CEPI began working on the next epidemic in 2017. Also at Davos, Gates began working on a Netflix video called Pandemic. Now, as y'all all, all know, I don't watch movies, but maybe I should have watched this one. It was released in November of last year. The plot of the movie was a coronavirus that originated in a wet market in China, leaving millions of people dead. Is that a coincidence? Is Bill Gates a prophet or is it a plan? Last fall, October the 18th, 2019, 
There was a pandemic exercise called Event 201 at Johns Hopkins University. The exercise was conducted by the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation, the World Economic Forum, and Michael Bloomberg's School of Public Health at Johns Hopkins University. And yes, that's the same Michael Bloomberg that just tried to run against Bill, uh, against Donald Trump for President of the United States. The pandemic simulation predicted that the coronavirus would have the same kill rate as the Spanish flu of 1918, which caused around 65 million deaths worldwide in an 18-month period. It's also interesting to note that Dr. George Fugao, the director of the Chinese Centers for Disease Control, was involved in the simulation. At the same time, at the very same day, October the 18th and lasted through the 27th, the World Military Games were being held of all places in Wuhan, China. You had 10,000 athletes from 110 countries. Uh, the United States delegation was about 300 people. Two months later, January the 7th, China reports the coronavirus outbreak in Wuhan. January the 21st through the 24th was the 2020 annual World Economic Forum gathering in Davos. So the rich guys were back in Davos again in January of this year. And Bill Gates and his CPI, uh, CEPI that I just announced, they announced a coronavirus vaccine program with partnerships including Inovio and Moderna and the United States National Institute for Allergy and Infectious Diseases, which is led by none other than Dr. Tony Fossey, who is now the chief medical advisor to President Trump, who you see on TV in these daily briefings that we're getting. He's an interesting character because he wrote in March in the prestigious New England Journal of Medicine that this coronavirus was going to be a nothing. It was going to be similar to the seasonal flu. But when he went to tele went in front of the television cameras, he told American people this coronavirus is 10 times worse than the seasonal flu, may kill 2 million Americans if we do nothing. It still may kill 200,000 Americans even if we shut down the country and shelter in place. There's no known vaccine, he said, and it's going to take 12 to 18 months to get a vaccine even ready for trials. Of course, the question is, where did Dr. Fossey get all those numbers? Where did he get the model of the 2 million people and 200,000 people? Well, it turns out that came out of the University of Washington, the Institute for Health Metrics and Evaluation, which is funded by the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation. Before the thing was over in Switzerland, we had something going on at the United States Capitol. On January the 24th, the United States House of Representatives began drafting a coronavirus stimulus bill called the CARES Act. Yes, the money that you got this past week and deposited into your account actually started the legislative process on January the 24th, which as Americans, we didn't even know there was such a thing as a coronavirus till March, but somebody knew. So somebody in Congress knew it well enough to know that we were going to need relief, and they started a bill back on January the 24th. By the way, January the 24th is also the same time that the Senate was getting an ultra-secret briefing about this, and our new Senator, Kelly Loeffler, all of a sudden started having some changes made to her investment strategy on Wall Street. January the 30th, the United Nations World Health Organization officially, uh, officially launches a worldwide public health emergency for what they called a novel coronavirus. Even though at that time there was only 150 cases in the world, nevertheless, they knew it was going to be an emergency. By the way, novel means newly discovered, means never seen before, uh, means COVID-19 didn't just come crawling out of the woods. Kind of makes you wonder, where did it come from? January the 31st, 
President Trump orders a travel ban on anyone traveling from China. Four days later, January the 4th, the Centers for Disease Control decided not to use the World Health Organization's COVID-19 test kits. They didn't think they were good enough, that we had to come up with our own. So CDC made their own test and they were defective, had to pull them all off the market. CDC got out some new tests by the end of February, but then there were backlogs taking one to two weeks for people to find out whether they had it or not. By the way, you may not remember this about my resume, but before the Lord rearranged my life, I was planning on being a doctor. I was a pre-med major at the University of North Georgia, North Georgia College, majored in biology, minored in chemistry. So I went to the CDC website and looked at those test instructions, see what all was involved in doing a coronavirus test. And listen to this. This is a quote from the CDC website. A positive COVID-19 test does not rule out bacterial infections or co-infections with other viruses. Even COVID-19 may not even be the definite cause of the disease. Still, report all positive cases to CDC. Well, one of the things that does for you is it definitely pumps up the numbers to make sure that everything that happens out there in the medical field is a COVID-19 case. Well, anyway, uh, the next day, February the 5th, Donald Trump was acquitted on the charges of impeachment. So all this time we've been watching news about this impeachment and we knew nothing about this COVID-19 thing that was going on out there in the world. So March the 11th, um, the World Health Organization officially declared the COVID-19 a global pandemic. March the 14th, the Associated Press announced volunteers in Seattle were given the COVID-19 vaccine that was made by Moderna, wherever we heard that name before, and it was approved by Dr. Fauci's National Institutes of Health. And wait a minute, that's less than two months. I thought Dr. Fauci earlier said it takes at least 12 or 18 months to get a vaccine ready for trials. So something's going on there. Anyhow, March 15th, President Trump declares a state of emergency in the United States for COVID-19. And that's when we begin the social distancing, setting six feet apart, standing six feet apart, no wait, no meetings with over 10 people. On March 31st, Bill Gates wrote an op-ed in the Washington Post saying the United States missed the opportunity to get ahead of the coronavirus. So we need to shut down the U.S. economy for at least 10 weeks, which would take us to the end of June. And a week earlier, Bill Gates did a TED Talk interview where he said that once people of the world learn to trust science to solve a pandemic, maybe they'll be ready to trust science to solve climate change. And it kind of makes you wonder, where are we going with this thing? And so now we've moved on in our television narrative. Now the narrative is who done it? Where did this COVID-19 originate? Chinese leaders are saying that the United States military who attended the World Games in Wuhan released it as a bioweapon against China. American leaders are calling it the Wuhan virus and saying that the Chinese released it out of their virology lab in Wuhan in order to affect the world. The truth is probably up in there somewhere, but the trouble is it's classified and we will not know the truth for 40 years until it's declassified. And at that point, I will not care. Bottom line, this novel coronavirus, COVID-19, is a manufactured crisis designed to deceive people to accept a radically different world than you and I are used to living in. Now, don't get me wrong. Don't go out of here and misquote me. I'm not saying that people don't get sick with coronavirus. I'm not saying that they don't even die with it. The only thing I'm saying is according to the Centers for Disease Control who keep up with all these diseases, in an average year in the United States, there are 39 million cases of flu. 39, that's 10%, 39 million cases of flu. And between 30 and 60,000 people die. 
And I've been living on this planet for 63 years now, and we have never shut down the U.S. economy over that big of a threat and that many deaths. But here we are, for some reason, the powers that be have chosen to shut down America over COVID-19, which we've already said they're cooking the books on it. But right now, they've only got 70,000 cases against 39 million cases every year uh, between flu and COVID. And also today, they've got it jacked up to 35,000 deaths, but still that's considered a low flu year. So once again, why did we shut down the economy? I believe we are being deceived and manipulated. And the question is, is why are we being deceived and where are we going with this? Well, according to the prophet Daniel and the apostle Paul, the mystery of iniquity is already at work. We're watching people who have been deceived by Satan because they rejected the Lord Jesus Christ and they're changing Christian customs, culture, traditions, and laws all across our land to prepare the way for a future Antichrist. I don't know if he's right around the corner. I don't know when the Antichrist will appear, but nevertheless, the stage is being set. And we've seen a lot of changes just in the last month. As Rahm Emanuel, the former mayor of Chicago and former White House chief of staff under President Obama used to say, you never want a serious crisis to go to waste. And brothers and sisters, they're not wasting this one. We have watched our leaders transform this COVID-19 coronavirus from being just another virus into a crisis, into an epidemic, into a public health emergency, into a global pandemic. Now, I want you to stop because, again, we get caught up in the day-to-day, 24-hour news cycle. But stop and think about all the changes that we have accepted in about a month's period of time. We'll start off with the first thing they had to do, and that was to verify the power of the press. Make sure that those five corporations that control 90% of what we see and hear in the media still have the ability to put everybody in a panic. Of course, we're talking about CNN, Time Warner, ABC, Disney, Fox, News Corp, CBS, Viacom, NBC, Comcast. These networks bring on experts whose job it is to convince us that we need to give up our liberty or we're all going to die. They bring on globalist experts who explain that global problems require global solutions. I've heard that a half a dozen times, uh, sometimes daily. They tell us the world is too complicated for any nation, even something as great as United Nation. We can't fix this by ourselves. We need a one-world solution to our problems. They bring on experts who tell us that we need to quit being ignorant and listen to science, listen to the experts, listen to the technocrats. They alone know how to fix pandemics. They alone know how to fix climate change. Another one of the great changes that we've seen that I've never seen in my time is called social distancing. Six feet between individuals, no gatherings larger than 10 people, order people off the streets and confined to their homes. This is a trial run at martial law, but it turns out they never needed martial law because most Americans submitted voluntarily. But governors have ordered up police, deputized government workers, and deployed National Guard just in case we the people get sick and tired of this and rebelled. And to further add to the rumors of a police state, our governor in Georgia set up a telephone hotline so you can call and rat out your neighbors who are not complying with lockdown orders. That sounds more like Russia or China than it does the United States of America. The next big change is crashing the capitalist economy. Following these social distancing guidelines, we have watched 22 million Americans lose their jobs. We've seen the stock market drop 10,000 points. We've seen our retirement savings vanish and go down the drain. We've watched the government take charge of the means of production, which is a classic definition of socialism. We've got the government using executive orders, loans, and grants in order to pick which businesses will win and which businesses will lose. Another big change that's come out of this is they've made the church irrelevant, or should I say more irrelevant than what we already were. 
In times past, when America went into a crisis, they would call the people of God to pray. That's not what we're hearing now. We're hearing we need doctors, we need scientists, we need people to tell us how to do this. We don't need God, we don't need churches in prayer. Churches are listed among non-essential businesses. Pastors are not allowed to visit sick members in hospitals or nursing homes. The Christian tradition of handshaking with the right hand of fellowship is forbidden. Churches are not allowed to assemble, which is a violation of our First Amendment right, freedom of assembly, and freedom of religion. Not to mention it's also a violation of Hebrews chapter 10 verse 25, which says, do not forsake the assembling of ourselves together. Our sermons and our Sunday school classes are forced online, which means that all of our words are being saved and stored in the National Security Agency's new and huge data center in Utah, which as long as we have a government that's okay with Christianity is okay. But what if our new world government is more like China? Then our very own words will be used against us in a criminal trial. So NSA, if you're listening, there it is. And so now the government is offering free money to churches. Never mind the fact that using taxpayer money to prop up churches who are in debt is a violation of the First Amendment of the United States Constitution. As our Minister of Music Derek often says, with the shackles comes the shackles. Whoever takes government money will ultimately take government regulations. Another change, cashless society. This is one of the globalist dreams and has been for years to get rid of cash, use digital currency to be able to monitor and control the flow of money around the world. Korea, which was one of the first nations outside of China to be infected with this disease, they pulled in all their cash to sanitize it because the World Health Organization said cash was just crawling with coronavirus. They required all their people to buy their things with credit cards and their iPhones. In the United States, Speaker Pelosi's first corona uh, relief house bill called for using digital dollars in order to give people their money that went out last week. Of course, you remember the Democrat House bill didn't pass, but the Republicans modified it and they did pass a bill that didn't have digital dollars in it. Uh, but we're already seeing pushing it through the IRS. There was all kinds of problems. We had money going to the wrong people, going to the wrong banks. Had some fireman, I think, here in Hall County got $7 million check last week. I mean, it, it, was, it was strange, I guess, just to prove that it's not going to work that way. So now we have a Senate uh, subcommittee on banking that's working on the details of how to give any future money to Americans in digital money instead of cash. Speaking of the government giving out money, one of the goals of this New World Order is universal basic income, where you get paid to do nothing. You don't have to work for money. The government decides what you need. I guess giving $1,200 to every adult and $500 to every child was a good test run. Interesting article in Bloomberg News on April the 5th. Spain is using the coronavirus crisis to roll out its universal basic income system. So apparently some of our nations know what's up with this. As Trump was signing in the $2 trillion re relief bill, he said that the final cost of all these programs will probably be $6 trillion. Now, brothers and sisters, this may sound good for us to be getting all this free money, but the thing you got to remember is no such thing as a free lunch. It will come due at some point. I believe by the time we get to the November elections, our national debt will be over $30 trillion, and just the interest on that debt will take up 15% of our federal budget. Think about that. 15% of your tax dollars will be going to empower international bankers who are holding our debt. Now, I could go on, but look at the hour. So let me conclude with another little notice change. This one happened around Christmas on December the 23rd, 2019. Uh, the prestigious Scientific American magazine reported that the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation and MIT, the Massachusetts Institute of Technology, had developed a biometric tattoo where a nanochip can be injected into your forearm at the same time you're being vaccinated. Therefore, your arm can be scanned to reveal your identity, your vaccinations, 
maybe even your medical records. The biometric tattoo program is part of a bigger plan called ID2020 that was also announced this January at the World Economic Forum in Davos, again sponsored by the Bill Gates Foundation, Rockefeller Foundation, and several other billionaire organizations. These compassionate billionaires advertise this as being a special tool to help poor little children in undeveloped countries we're in a crisis when there's a war or famine or something like that. They have to run to some other country, and you don't know. They don't carry papers with them, so you don't know whether they've had their shots or not. So all they got to do is scan their little forearm and know whether they've had their shots or not. Sounds very compassionate. But then you read on down the article, they also mentioned that these tattoos would be great screening tool for people at airports, border crossings, schools, healthcare facilities, government buildings, and sports facilities. Brothers and sisters, Second Thessalonians 2.7, the mystery of iniquity is already at work. Now I know, for those of you that are still watching, after one of my conspiracy theory prophecy sermons that I do from time to time, I'm often asked, well, Brother Daniel, well, what can we do about it? I mean, you, you know, you preach a sermon to scare us all to death, well, what can we do about it? It. Are there some politicians that we can call to stop this thing? And the answer to that is I don't think so, because I think this train left the station a long time ago. The real question is not what can we do. The real question is going to be what will you do? If this coronavirus makes its second or third wave around the world like the experts are predicting, and the Bill Gates vaccine is magically ready, and they offer you the vaccine, but in order to get the vaccine, you also have to receive the biometric tattoo. Will you take it? If not, you probably won't be able to go to work or to school or the grocery store or to the bank. In the grand scheme of things, it'll probably not be a non-Christian thing if you accept that tattoo, a vaccine tattoo. We'll probably be okay. But later on, if we carry out this philosophy to Revelation chapter 13, when it's not just about a vaccine, but when you're required to swear allegiance and be willing to worship the exalted leader of the United Nations, or whatever the name is called at that point, to prove your loyalty to the UN, then you must take this biometric tattoo. And if you don't take it, then you won't be able to buy or sell or travel or get health care. What then? You're probably saying, Danny, I think this is a little extreme. I don't think this can happen. Sure, it can happen. It's happened before in history, even in some non-techie times. In ancient Rome, under the Roman Caesar Domitian, who happened to be in charge when John wrote the book of Revelation, he forced people to offer a sacrifice once a year of incense. It was just a little pinch. It wasn't much incense, just a little bit. All you had to do is pitch it into the fire and say, Caesar is Lord. That's it. And you're a good Roman citizen, and life goes merrily along. But that was a problem for some folks called Christians. They refused to take the pinch of incense and pitch it in the fire, and they refused to say, Caesar is Lord. Instead, they said, Jesus is Lord, and they and their families were thrown to the lines or given some other horrible punishment. I was doing some research on a, uh, on a, on a gentleman, shall we say, by the name of Vladimir Kvolchkov. Uh, he is a colonel in Russia. He is a former Spetsnaz and military intelligence officer. He's the guy that attempted to assassinate the politician uh, Anatoly uh, Chubais in 2005. He spent three years in jail. He is extremely outspoken. Uh, he's been part of the intelligence uh, network in Russia for years. And I'm following a rabbit hole <laughs> down and down and down and I come across something he was interviewed March 25th of this year I could ha I have the interview but it's all in Russian so I had to trans translate it and then my wife transcoded it and put it and typed it up for me I'm going to have to read this to you this this thing that's happening this pandemic 
is it's not a uh, secret it's not it's not anything secret it's known throughout all intelligence agencies worldwide so there's a moderator and then there's a colonel okay moderator ladies and gentlemen good afternoon today we have Vladimir Kovachev whatever the hell his name is colonel <laughs> as our guest a colonel of the GRU military intelligence office public figure with a PhD in military science Colonel, I know you served, among other things, as a leading researcher for the Center for Defense and Strategic Studies of the General Staff of the Armed Forces. Considering your expertise, what do you make of the coronavirus phenomenon? Colonel, it's exactly this perspective that you need to examine it from, not from public health perspective, nor epidemiology, etc. The coronavirus phenomenon that they falsely deem a pandemic needs to be examined from the perspective of global powers, religious, political, financial, economic, and national. The coronavirus phenomenon, the so-called pandemic, and let me tell you, there's no pandemic. It's all a lie. Needs to be considered as a global strategic special operation. This is exactly how you need to think of this thing. These are command and staff exercises, remember that word, exercises of the world's behind-the-scenes powers on controlling humanity. This is what the goal of this coronavirus is. I'll repeat it once again. We have little faith in God, and even less so in the existence of Satan, the enemy of the human race. So the aim of the behind-the-scenes Zionist and financial powers is the reducing the world's population. It's their massive idea. They think there's too many of us ordinary people in the world. There should be around 100 million of their own kind and a maximum of 1 billion people on earth to serve them. Then they'll be living in abundance here on earth because us, the people, the earthlings, there's too many of us for the behind the scenes world powers. This is why the coronavirus and a financial crisis that has emerged almost immediately, they're inextricably tied to one another. The aim is to stop movement around the world to curtail political freedoms. In political terms, it would be practically impossible to do all that. There are differences in constitutions, whether they're being implemented or not. That is a different question. However, there are some political rights that people are accustomed to and they believe they're theirs to have forever. The first attempt to take away these rights from people happened on September 11, 2001. Not many seem to remember that. After the so-called attack on World Trade Center towers, Pentagon and the White House in the USA, the global war on terrorism was declared. Let's remember, in order to understand what coronavirus is now, let's analyze that first attempt. The declaration of war on humanity that was disguised as a war on terrorism, that was 19 years ago. The -the behind-the-scenes world powers created the events of September 11, 2001. Now they need another excuse for greater control and takeover of humanity. That's how they came up with the coronavirus. Basically, put it this way, that's not a pandemic, not an epidemic. Even now, I literally looked at the data this morning. Now remember, this is March 25th. 300 people in the world die from it daily. You can imagine what kind of scale this is. Of course, I'm sorry about each person who dies, but 300 people across 7.5 billion, that's practically nothing. The command and staff exercises of the -the behind-the-scenes world powers have an aim to limit different political rights and make people afraid. The fools are already grabbing food in shops here. Millet, buckwheat, and then the moderator says, toilet paper, toilet paper. Yeah, even toilet paper. God, why? The goal is to scare people. Once again, 
These are command and staff exercises of the behind-the-scenes Zionists and financial liberal world powers with the aim of limiting the political rights that people are basically accustomed to having, especially in Western Europe. That's their second goal. The first goal is to reduce the population numbers on Earth. That's their satanic goal. The second political goal of the behind-the-scenes world powers is to seize power. And the third goal is related to finances and power over the economy. Financial, we already know, at least those who are interested in this. Now, for every product that exists, please give me your, give me your pencil. Okay, let's say this pencil costs one ruble. Let's say it's uh, what, well, let's say it's a dollar for this pencil. It was issued twenty times the amount in money, promissory notes, equities, and other financial derivatives. That means if you take the real value of this pencil, one dollar, it comes with different papers that carry twenty times the value. Accordingly, all the financial and economic relations have gone from the real economy to this virtual economy. It's a financial bubble that exists now and which encompasses, I think, one quadrillion and two hundred trillion dollars. It's a complete financial bubble. It needs to be deflated. FRS, Federal Reserve System, literally some days ago, that was in February, I think, they introduced a zero-point interest on deposits. Now, in many countries, it's even a negative interest rate. That is, you deposit $100 and you get 90 or $95 back. But at least you're still getting something back. So we're already getting negative rates on deposits. So that wealth has to be deflated. How will it be deflated? Again, through this artificial international. We see the economy has crashed. It's clear accordingly. We can't keep your domestic demand like we did before. You need to tighten your belts, etc., etc. Now is a very important moment. Note it allegedly started in China. Even though the Chinese are now adamant and report that the coronavirus was created artificially, it has an artificial origin. It's been proven scientifically already. Of course, in every virus, seeing that it's the simplest kind of microorganism, as far as I can remember, mutations can happen, but they're of an accidental nature. And when you take the RNA molecule, not DNA, they have RNA, and there's a part of the genome that's clearly been carved out and another one inserted in its place, and this happens three or four times. It's perfectly obvious that the Chinese scientists have figured this out. It was artificially created and purposefully spread initially in Wuhan. They had two kinds, two viral strains. Okay, now, what about Italy? What happened there? How come a strain that is even more dangerous than the Chinese one suddenly appears in Italy? I think now they have a few thousand infected and around 1,000 have already died. But again, a hundred times more people die in Italy from flu, pneumonia, uh, and hepatitis. But we don't talk about that. Instead, we are being served special political information propaganda, psychoinformative propaganda, special psychoinformative operation of the world globalist mass media that is serving the behind-the-scenes Zionist liberal powers that are creating this terror now. That's why we need to deal with the phenomenon as we would with special operation that is conducting in the form of command and staff exercises. Now they're looking who's obeying and who's not. In China, they introduced strict measures, but then Comrade Xi went to Wuhan and put the pro-American party faction who took that road in their place. In China, not everything is smooth there. They have, let's call them a pro-Chinese uh, patriotic faction that's somewhat close to us, which is associated with uh, China. And there are obviously pro-American ex-commissimal members that are money-oriented or simply put have their focus on the dough, money. And they, of course, tried to use the coronavirus in Wuhan to gain certain economic and political benefits. Comrade Z put them all in their places and consequently was over with the virus in China. And then it started in Europe. Accordingly, we as military intelligence look at who. It is obvious. And where, it is also obvious. Europe and China are two geoeconomic adversaries of the USA. 
And this is where they injected this virus. This virus also has a fourth dimension as well, the economic one. The first is the religious one. Destruction of people on earth, reducing the population numbers. The second one is to establish political control over humanity. The third one is the financial deflation of that gigantic financial bubble. And the fourth dimension is the elimination of their geoeconomic competition. This I'm telling you from the perspective of an office from... uh, Let me give you that again. This I'm telling you from the perspective of an office from the Center for Defense and Strategic Studies of the General Staff of the Armed Forces. This is my assessment of the current epidemic. Uh, Colonel, you spoke, the moderator speaking, Colonel, you spoke with clarity. You laid it out military style. Can you give us any predictions for the near future? Yes. Uh, Yes, I can. Uh, What do you think? uh, Which countries would expect pressure next? Russia, of course. It's going to be Russia, truly, because for America, Russia isn't an economic competitor. Now, the main efforts of the -the behind-the-scenes world powers are focused on causing disruption in China and Western Europe, and Russia is their target on two accounts. They want to reduce our population number, and they want to cleanse the territory. That is still to come. Of course, we would like to hear your opinion regarding a practical plan plan of action, but uh, how to act, how to protect oneself, uh, some some recommendations. I am, of course, not an epidemiologist, although you could say I'm a parasitologist. Parasite... Yes, parasitologist, because you have to be one in order to understand the power structure in Russia. So I'm speaking as a military doctor, epidemiologist, and parasitologist. Until we're able to rid our internal parasites who roll over us, we won't be able to tackle the other parasites. And let me remind you what our Secretary of State had to say about this. This is not about retribution. This matters going forward. We're in a live exercise here. Now, after the... uh, Patriots sort of stormed the Capitol in Michigan. A memorandum came out of the Office of the Attorney General, Washington, D.C., titled Memorandum for the Assistant Attorney General for Civil Rights and All United States Attorneys. The current national crisis related to COVID-19 has required the imposition of extraordinary restrictions on all of our daily lives. Millions of Americans across the nation have been ordered to stay in their homes, leaving only for essential and necessary reasons, while countless businesses and other gathering places have been ordered to close their doors indefinitely. These kinds of restrictions have been necessary in order to stop the spread of a deadly disease, but there is no denying that they have imposed tremendous burdens on the daily lives of all Americans. In prior memoranda, I directed our prosecutors to prioritize cases against those seeking to illicitly profit from the pandemic, either by hoarding scarce medical resources or by defrauding people who are already in dire circumstances. We've pursued these efforts vigorously and will continue to do so. Now I'm directing each of our United States attorneys to also be on the lookout for state and local directives that could be violating the constitutional rights and civil liberties of individual citizens. There's more to it than that, and I'll have it posted on the website. Basically, he's taken he's taken the idea and he's running with it that we are being uh, violated. Our civil rights in the United States are being violated, and he's going to track every single one of the perpetrators down, which means he's going to have a minimum of 50 because there's 50 governors, and then he's going to have the people uh, that's imposing these restrictions. All right, now we're going to talk about firearms, specifically self-defense weapons. No idea what prompted me to want to talk about this, but we're going to talk about the fact that many of you think that the military or law enforcement are our friends. And we're that's drilled into us during our lifetimes that the military and law enforcement are here to help us. They're not. The military and law enforcement of all countries since the beginning of time are nothing more than hired thugs. They do exactly what their boss tells them to do. And they then they might have a little moral problem afterwards, but meanwhile they will do exactly what they're told to do. 
if they're told to, if the military is told to fire on civilians because they're terrorists, the military will fire on civilians. Law enforcement in the United States now are taught us and them doctrine. It's a simple thing. It's uh, there against us. It's our job to keep them in line. It's our job to make sure they do what they're told to do. And it's our job to make sure they don't argue with us because we are gods that are hired by the bigger gods. The military and law enforcement are not our friends. They never have been and they never will be. Don't ever think that uh, you don't need a firearm because, well, there's 911 right there. What's that saying? Uh, when there's seconds to spare, the police are minutes away. Even the uh, Supreme Court has ruled that law enforcement has no right, no right, necessity, or responsibility to protect you in any way, shape, or form. It's up to you, and it will get to the point. Now, we're going back to the point again. Military and law enforcement are not our friends. They will see us as the enemy because that's what they've done for thousands and thousands of years, and they'll keep doing it. So you're going to need to be able to defend yourself. Against who knows? You'll need to be able to defend yourself against whatever decides to try and uh, harm you or your loved ones or your property. Now, before we go any further with firearms, there's two rules. There are only two rules for safe firearm handling and to keep you and everyone around you alive. Number one, there's no such thing as an empty gun. Do you understand? There is no such thing as an empty gun. If somebody hands you a firearm, if you watch them open it up, and show you that it's empty, and they hand it to you, what's rule number one? There's no such thing as an empty gun. So you open it up and make sure it's empty. And number two, never point a gun at something you don't want to put a hole in. The purpose of a firearm is to put holes in things. Normally, it's paper targets, or tin cans, or squirrels, or coyotes, or deer, or elk, or moose. And in wartime, and in self-defense, it's to put a hole in an animal attacking you, or a man attacking you. So rule number one, no such thing as an empty gun. Rule number two, never point a gun at something you don't want to put a hole in. Now, I used to train uh, firearm safety, and the way I did it, it was always with handguns because it was law enforcement. Uh, And so what I do is I took a four-foot piece of quarter-inch dowel, four-foot piece, and I made sure their handgun, this is their duty gun, so it would be usually a semi-automatic 9mm, had them stick the dowel down the barrel of their gun. And then we would all get on the firing line, and we're only about three feet apart. It would blow your mind how many people tapped the guy next to them with their four-foot dowel because they weren't paying attention. Now, these are tools. Firearms are tools. So it in a case of self-defense, you have to look at many different components to it, not just the caliber. Like you'd have a small woman who said, I don't want a large caliber because it kicks too much. No, you have to look for what's comfortable for you. And that's, that's correct. Maybe you don't like that kind of a, a recoil. Now, we're not talking about specific firearms here. We're simply talking general for now. So you need to be comfortable with whatever firearm you decide you're going to use for your self-defense. Where are you going to use this? Are you going to use it in your car while you're traveling? You're going to use it in your apartment, your home, your cabin, the woods, walking on the street? So there's different tools for different times. Like I wouldn't want to, if I live in a housing tract, I wouldn't want a uh, AR-15 as a self-defense weapon for the house because that 223 caliber bullet is going thousands of feet per second and it's going to go through that sheetrock and it's going to go into the house next door. So you want something for home defense that would be a little more applicable to home defense, okay? And if I was gonna, if I was going to go out in the woods and hike and there would be big bears or mountain lions or wolves or something up there, I'm sure as hell not going to take a 22 Ruger. 
I'm going to have a 357 Magnum revolver or a 44 Magnum revolver or a 12-gauge shotgun or something like that for, de- for my self-defense up there. So these are tools, and you have to use common sense wherever you go and for whatever you use them for. Now, don't, don't get the idea that, that uh, a gun can't kill you just because it's a small caliber weapon. Uh, that's not real smart. And I'll tell you, in Sacramento years ago, there were a group of murders. There were 12 of them that were, that were done at Pizza Hut restaurants. And what happened was somebody would bring in, somebody would come into the restaurant and they would take everybody in the restaurant and they'd put them in, a, in the back room and they rob the restaurant. You know, they'd, they'd take the till. They'd wait till there were no customers and they'd come in, come in and, and they'd rob the place. And they killed somebody each time. And what they used was a twenty-five caliber little tiny hundred-dollar pistol. And you know, when you first hear that, if you if you're a gun guy or just barely a gun guy, and you hear, well, they murdered all these people with a twenty-five automatic, you think, what the hell? You're kidding me. I'm going to tell you something. Years ago, a friend of mine and I were walking across the street, and somebody shot my buddy in the back about 50 feet away, and we we got him, but he had this bullet, and my buddy had this bullet in his back, and so we pulled up his shirt, and and, uh, there was a lump under the skin, and I popped it out like it was a pimple, and it was a 25 caliber gun. So a lot of a lot of uh, firearms. It depends. Not a lot. Most of them. It depends on placement and how close you are. Now all the people that had been murdered, it was a temple shot. They put the gun against the guy's head and pulled the trigger. This guy, and it was a twenty-five automatic. Is not a very powerful round whatsoever. It's it maybe six seven hundred feet per second. It is not very very fast. Not very powerful. But close like that. That's what you would call a belly gun. Meaning you stick it in the belly and pull the trigger. Or at least stuck it to their head and pull the trigger. So at fifty feet away, the bullet almost bounced off, but it hit a rib and stayed there. And we was able to remove it right there. So it's bullet placement. And there are, pla- there are different places that you would want to put your bullet, depending on the caliber, depending on what you were trying to achieve. Now, unless you're Wyatt Earp or Annie Oakley, don't play this game of, oh, I'll shoot the gun out of his hand type thing. You're going to look at center mass, which is be the heart area, the sternum, center of the sternum. You look at the head, or if you're competent, you would do a shoulder shot, knee shot. Uh, if you want to take somebody to the ground, and let's say they, they have uh, a body armor on, flak jackets or what have you, you're going to want to shoot them in the in the uh, shin, the foot, the pelvis. The FBI teaches if you want to take somebody out of a fight, you shoot them in the pelvis. You shoot them in the right or left hip or dead center like it would be between the groin and the belly button. And what that does is with a proper caliber pistol or proper caliber round, it, it breaks the pelvis and they drop to the ground right there. So there's different areas where you want to shoot. If you can't think, if you're not super trained, then you just shoot at center of mass. Even if the guy has armor uh, uh, vest on or flak jacket on, you hit him with a 9 millimeter up in the center of the chest five or six times, he's going to break a few ribs and knock him on his ass. So those are something. Those are things to think about, okay? So it, again, we're back to what, what, are you, what are you looking at getting the, the weapon for, self-defense? If it's, going to be, if it's going to be in a home or in a cabin or even in a camper or motorhome or something like that, now I'm going to tell you what I, I've always had. My wife has always had and she's used it, and she's used it, a pump shotgun. I do not recommend a 20 gauge. Now, you want a few things here. You want to have uh, a firearm you can buy parts for if you ever have to, and a firearm that's easy to find ammunition for. A pump shotgun is always the best bet for self-defense. I don't care where you are. The main reason is the sound. You push that slide release under next to the trigger, and you crank that pump back. 
I don't care who you are or how screwed up you are on drugs. You hear that sound, you know God is waiting on the other side of that door. We had a we had a trader we were staying in one time in uh, Phoenix, Arizona, and we were in the middle of this one acre lot. And I had, I left. It was about eight o'clock at night. I left to go get some some uh, food for for the baby. So Angie was alone in the trader. When I come back a half hour later, she wouldn't answer the door. I unlocked it and walked in, and she was all the way to the back of the trailer with the shotgun pointed to the front. And I go, what the hell? Because as soon as you left, somebody come to the door, knocked on it, and said, I, I need to use your phone. Can I come in? Can, can I use your phone? Right, a trader, a trader in the middle of an acre uh, has a phone. So Angie got that shotgun. She didn't know how to load it, but she knew how to crank that slide back. And she did, and she pumped it. And she, all she heard were feet running like crazy. So that's... The thing about a 12-gauge, and I, and I stress 12-gauge because those are the easiest rounds to find, and there's many different types of loads. I recommend a 12-gauge shotgun. 20-gauge, no, because you, it's hard to get the ammo, and it's twice as expensive. A 410, which is, again, smaller, it's about the size of a 45 caliber, it's, it's functional. I used one when I was a kid, but it's not, uh, it's not a man-stopper unless you're right on top of them. So you get yourself a 12-gauge pump shotgun, and that is not hard to find. Walmart sells them. Big Five sells them. North 40 sells them. Every gun shop on earth sells a pump 12-gauge shotgun. Generally, you can pick them up new for around $199, $200. You get what you pay for. So you pay more. The best you could do is would be a steel-framed Remington 870 pump shotgun like the police used to used to carry or s- still do sometimes. Most shotguns are aluminum framed, but the quality ones are steel framed. Now, here's the thing about a shotgun. You're not going to be using it for target practice. If you buy a shotgun, you buy a box of rounds to, to practice with, and that's 25 rounds. And if you take that out and you shoot those 25 rounds to where you're comfortable shooting that shotgun, that's probably the only 25 rounds you'll shoot in the next 10 years, hopefully. That's what I always recommend. Get yourself a 12-gauge shotgun for home defense. Now, there's different, when I say different loads, you have what's called hunting load, which would be double-aught buck. So you'd have like three or four 38 caliber balls in the shot. Or maybe you'd get one with five uh, 30 caliber balls in there. Those are hunting loads. Those are Those will take down deer. But if you're in a home, you want what's called bird loads, and those are going to be like 7 to, t- to number 12 shot. These are real fine pellets, even finer than BBs. And that's because if you were to fire that behind the, your front door, they wouldn't go any further than across the street into the, into the dirt, and that's, that's about it. So you, these are the things to think about, okay? So if you got a, if you got a shotgun, and again, you go out and you can find them all over the place. If you want to find them, look on, you can look on Craigslist. Of course, I don't think Craigslist allows... Uh, firearms on there but you look in a newspaper you look in the nickels ads the penny saver what, what are you know those little throwaways you find at the at the grocery stores and you can look online also you can go to any any place you want find one get competent with it you're not going to be wider with it it's just a it's a defensive weapon and you can use it to hunt you know, i've used it to hunt squirrels and pheasants and pigeons and doves make sure you get a cleaning kit for it make sure you understand how to use the cleaning kit and make sure you clean and oil the weapon. Now, never leave a shotgun. Most shotguns, pump shotguns, are what's called tube-fed. You rotate it over to where the trigger is aimed up, and you will find a, a little hole there that you can slip the rounds in and load the shotgun. Now, you don't want one of these 34-inch hunting shotguns. You want like an 18 to 21-inch 
what they call a riot gun. The loading tube is going to be about as long as the barrel is, and it's going to hold maybe five to six rounds. Now, that's why it's called a riot gun, because you can use it in, in a military fashion if you had to. Yes, it's okay to have that shotgun leaning against the, the back of the front door or wherever, wherever you want. Do not leave it loaded. And by that, I mean don't put rounds in the tube, because, remember what I said, in 10 years, you might not never shoot it. So if you left it loaded, after a few years, that spring in there gets weak. And then it will not feed when you need it. So you don't keep it loaded. You keep a little bag at the bottom of it with the rounds in it. And if you have to use it, you can pick it up real quick and load it real fast. So do not keep it loaded uh, in the tube because it, it'll go bad. <laughs> I know. I know what I'm talking about. I've, I've uh, It happened to me twice. And I have made lots of money selling replacement uh, tube springs for Mossbergs and Winchester shotguns, which people would, would buy and load and put behind the door and leave, forget about it for 10 years. Never leave a shotgun with a round in the chamber ready to fire. Just period. You never do that unless you're hunting or in an emergency situation. So you're always going to have your shotgun and a, and a pouch of ammo next to it. That's my recommendation. You do what you want. But make sure you clean them. And make sure you oil them. Now, also, because the shotgun's going to sit for a long time, and you're going to want to keep it where you can get to it, get a bag to put it in, a, a, a gun, what they call a gun sock. You can find these, these gun socks that are made out of uh, wool or silicone impregnated gray fabric, and you leave, your, you leave the gun in that, slipped all the way down it. You know, you put it in, you don't need to, to zip it up or any of that crap, and just leave it there. Now, I'll tell you, I didn't do that. I'm, I'm telling you all the things I did wrong. So I didn't do that for years. And I had a beautiful Winchester. Well, I was smart. I'm thinking, you know what? I don't want any bugs or anything to get down the barrel. So I put a little wad of toilet paper at the tip inside the barrel, about an inch in. And I, I let it lean up against the front door, butt down, barrel up. After about five years, I thought, you know, maybe I better clean this thing. Where I'd put that toilet paper had absorbed moisture and there was a, a ring of rust inside the barrel. So never just do anything like that. Don't do that. Keep it in a like a silicone impregnated gun sock. And then make sure you got a cleaning kit for it. And make sure you have, in fact, every weapon you buy, you should have a cleaning kit for that weapon. And then you get comfortable with that thing. And you decide what kind of rounds you want to have. And you have, you buy a bunch. You buy about 500 to 1,000 rounds. So that's on a shotgun. Now let's say, let's say you're, you want something to carry even for self-defense. Well, you're going to get, have to get comfortable with the handgun. And there's different calibers. All of these have different calibers. Let me give you an idea. List of handgun cartridges. And there's way more than you can ever imagine. Normally, handguns are going to be from 22 long rifle, which you can also use in, in long guns, rifles. Uh, there's 32 caliber. There's 380, which is like a 9mm cut in half, or what they would call in Germany a, a, a 9mm Kurtz, or short. Then there's 9mm, and there's 40 caliber, there's 45 caliber, and you'll see, that you won't see caliber, you'll see 32 ACP, uh, 9mm ACP, 45 ACP. ACP stands for Automatic Cartridge Pistol. So there's many, many, many different calibers. Don't, I had a friend that wanted, when he heard it was coming out, he wanted the first one, a 454 Casul. This is a 45 caliber, and the bullet itself was about five inches long in a revolver. 
He fired it once. It flew out of his hand, landed in the garbage can at the... At, literally, it landed in the garbage can at the range, and he just said, leave it there. <laughs> well, we didn't, but... Because it was a $1,700 pistol at the time. Now it's about $2,500. So you want, a, you want a gun that you're comfortable with. Now, most ranges... Uh, indoor ranges. I don't care where you live. Most indoor ranges will let you try out various handguns. If you are trained, if you can take a semi-automatic handgun, never mind the caliber, and if it jams on you and you can clear the jam without killing yourself or anybody next to you and you can do it competently, fine. If you can't, I always recommend a revolver. Revolvers are fairly idiot-proof. And the best the best self-defense revolver is going to be like a six-shot, five or six-shot thirty-eight special, or three fifty-seven Magnum. Three fifty-seven Magnum is the same as a thirty-eight special, but a, but about a quarter to a half inch longer. So it's a hot thirty-eight. Now, when I was a cop, I carried a thirty-eight, but a three fifty-seven Magnum you can shoot thirty-eight rounds in. So it'll handle the high-power round. You, when Colt came out with a three fifty-seven Magnum. They advertised it by sending a guy to Alaska to hunt a bear with it, and he did. So these things will kill kill large game if you're stupid enough to get close enough. But they're perfect for self-defense. Now, again, it's not. I don't recommend it in a home because it's going through that wall, into the next wall, into the next wall. But if you're going to carry a firearm for self-defense, you want something that's easy for you to use but not overpower you. So you would all, you could go into a range, indoor range, and you can ask, say, I'd like to check and see what kind of handgun I'd like to use. Most people like the ease of a semi-automatic, which means every time you pull the trigger, it shoots a bullet. A full automatic means you hold the trigger back and it'll shoot a whole bunch of bullets. Now, I don't want you to get the idea that a twenty two is a, is a, a little wussy-powered uh, weapon. It's not. Almost... 90% of all assassinations performed in the world in the past 100 years have been performed with a 22 caliber pistol. So it's always, it's bullet placement, all right? Placement. Now, the one thing you don't want to do is what the police do. The police do what's called spray and pray. They have no clue. They just want, they just throw as much lead as they can at their, at their target and hope uh, that uh, nobody else gets killed in the meanwhile. And, uh, you know, as a matter of fact, if you're around anywhere and police start shooting, slap your ass to the ground. Pardon my French. You get to the ground as hard as you can, and, and if you can, get put a car between you and the police. Because police don't care if they take if they perform what's called collateral damage. They'll get away with it anyway. So what the, if the city has to pay your your uh, survivors one point five million dollars? It doesn't matter to them. It's not their money. So the, be careful. Don't be around police when they start pulling guns. Same thing with the military. Even though the military are trained a lot better than the police are, they're still they're still just as dangerous, and they will remain as dangerous until the end of time. So, what you need to look at look for you need to look for firearms that you're comfortable with, and what you can afford. Now, there's many places, and I mentioned this earlier. There's many places you can buy a gun. You can buy a gun online. That doesn't mean you're going to get it from them. The way it works is this: you can go online to like gunbrokers.com, and I'll have links for all this stuff. Gunbrokers.com. And you can say, wow, that's a great gun. Now, you've got to do your own due diligence, okay? Because just because you see a price doesn't mean that's good price. You can check around at pawn shops. <clears throat> you can check around at gun shops. And you can check around online to different places that sell firearms. How that works is this. Let's say you want to buy a gun. And you see a Colt Diamondback 38 Special, mint condition, in the box for only 500 bucks. 
that's you know that's that's a collectible gun but disregardless so you see that you want to buy it so what you do is you work out a deal with a guy figure out what the price is going to be and then you have to have a dealer local to you to accept the uh, delivery of that gun because you're still going to have to pay pay him the de- the dealer the local dealer to fill out the paperwork for you you can't take delivery from a firearm on the internet so it goes from whoever's selling it to your dealer and then you go to him and you sign out fill out the paperwork and you pick the gun up from him usually they charge you 25 bucks for that so that's why that's how that's how people buy guns online but for self defense for the home 12 gauge pump shotgun the three guns that i recommend all people to have is a pump 12 gauge shotgun a 22 rifle like a marlin bolt action or a ruger 1022 10 that's a 1022 is a 10 shot 22 caliber semi-automatic rifle and a self-defense handgun and it would be a nine millimeter or it could be a 357 mag revolver i like revolvers because again we go back to it's semi-idiot proof I, I can't say idiot proof because it they're always inventing a, a better idiot. But at least with a revolver, if the round doesn't fi- go off, you give it a few seconds, and then you can pull the trigger, and the next round will probably go off. And that's something to be careful of in firearms. If you use reloaded ammunition, sometimes the primer won't punch and it won't go off. Like I was shooting a M1 Garand. It's a .30-06 semi-automatic rifle that was that was uh, used in World War II and, and Korea. Holds eight 30-06 rounds in the clip. So I chambered around, pulled the trigger, and all I heard was a click. Being an expert, I'm not going to pick it up and go, what's wrong with this? And turn it sideways. No, I just left it aimed down range for a few seconds. And after about five seconds, the damn bullet went off. It's what's called a hang fire. It happens all, all the time in all kinds of different weapons. It doesn't matter. It usually happens when you have uh, the, the, the uh, firing pin area is dirty 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 and it's clogging up and it's not allowing the firing pin to have full motion forward or you're using a, a poorly poor incompetently reloaded round and the primer set too deep or something something like that so it happens it's happened and it's happened to me in pistols it's happened to me in revolvers it's happened to me in rifles and in shotguns it doesn't happen a lot you know just but it does happen so remember that so if you pull the trigger on a gun and all you get is click Unless your life is at stake, keep that gun pointing downrange. Well, you can call somebody over to take a look at it for you. Or if it might go off, it might not go off. When I was in high school, we had a, uh, I, was on, uh, I was on a rifle team. We had a rifle team in high school. And we had this range, the indoor range, and we'd go there and practice and shoot and all that. And, and it was all twenty two caliber, and they were, it was very expensive uh, twenty two rifles. Well, then they were. They weren't. They were $100 guns. Now they're like 1000 because they're very rare. But we'd at the end of the night, we'd have half a bucket full of 22 rounds that didn't go off. So the janitor loved to do this. He had an incinerator out back. It had two-foot-thick concrete walls. And he'd take out that whole bucket of ammunition and throw it in there and then uh, turn the fires on and lock the doors and then stand back and listen to all the, all the ammo cook off. So you got to figure out what you want that your self-defense gun for a 22 could work there are certain uh, little 22 revolvers north american arms they're the size of my index finger and you can buy a neck clip where they clip on it and then hang around your neck and nobody knows you've got a little 22 revolver around your neck 
It just said, it doesn't sound really good when you say, I have a 22 revolver hanging around my neck, pointing at my chin. No, but yeah, but anyway, so there are different types of firearms out there. In the branch of the service where I, I uh, went and I was in, we were always asked, what is your favorite weapon? And our answer was the one we have in our hands. So you become proficient with each weapon you own. You make sure you know it, make sure you understand it, make sure you can clean it, even to the point where you can disassemble it, the major parts. Like say you've got a Breda 92, 9mm. It's very simple to pull the slide off and then take out the recoil rod and then pull out the barrel. And then you you got everything right there. You can clean it all really well and put it all back together. I had a friend of mine, most of you know him, uh, Vinny, uh, USA Prepares. He had this interesting little pistol that I know everything about. And I, he, he called me up. He goes, yeah, I bought this pistol. I can't get the damn thing to shoot. So we're about, what am I, 2,000, 2,500 miles from him. So I, I uh, diagnosed the problem over the phone. So we talked about an hour. And then I told him what to do. And basically, it was given a thorough cleaning. He could not get that thing to shoot. It wouldn't even make a little tiny mark on the primer. So finally, uh, I, I said, well, listen, here's what you need to do. Because sometimes you get these, this crap gets built up inside where the firing pin is and, you know, blah, blah, blah. And so he took it and he cleaned that thing beautifully and he calls me up and he goes, oh, my God, that thing's like a sewing machine now. Again, in firearms, you want to follow the KISS formula also. Keep it simple, stupid. Don't make it complicated. You don't want a, a handgun just because it's the biggest, baddest that you have ever seen in your life. I remember when the gyrojet came out. This is a pistol that fired a rocket. It was a little piss. It was a little round that you pulled the trigger. There was no recoil whatsoever. Pull the trigger. It ignited this primer, and this little tiny rocket, the size of a like a forty-five caliber bullet, would go would fly out. They thought well, that would be the greatest thing since sliced bread. Well, they didn't make too many of them because not too many people wanted them. <laughs> they would rather have something that makes a lot of noise and makes a big hole. And get familiar with your weapons. Make sure you, when you're shooting them, you're wearing ear protection. Don't play macho. That's ridiculous. You will destroy your eardrums. Even the military in the past 20 years have been using uh, earplugs in firefights. Use proper protection and make sure you have goggles or uh, uh, shooting glasses on. Shooting glasses are not the 59-cent plastic glasses you buy at Harbor Freight. These are shatterproof. You want shatterproof. And I'll tell you why. One time I was shooting a bolt-action Model 70 made in the uh, late 30s, and it was uh, 22-250 caliber. I pulled the trigger, and lugs on the bolt broke, and the bolt came straight back and hit me right in the right eye. Luckily, I had my shatterproof glasses on, but it penetrated the glasses about a quarter of an inch. If I hadn't had those on, I would have lost my right eye. As it is, I had a black eye the whole side of my face. So get confident with your firearms. Get comfortable with them. Make sure you're comfortable with it. And when you're, you know, some people don't like the small grips, like a Model 26 nine, uh, uh, um, Glock, okay? It's a, it's a mini Glock is what they call it. And just three of my fingers go on it. But so what? You get competent with it. When I did my post-officer uh, training years ago in Modesto, they wanted you to qualify with the, with your duty gun. So I did, and that was my Glock. And then they said, now, now you can qualify with your backup and i did and that was a smith and wesson model 60 and 357 magnum this is that was a five shot little tiny snub nose and he said okay any other firearms i said yeah i got a little 380 mustang here which was smaller than the other gun he goes you gonna qualify with that yeah so i qualified with it and then and there's only me and two other guys on the third gun qualifying and then he goes 
you got anything else you want to play with? I said, yeah, I have this North... He thought I was joking. I have a North American Arms 22 Magnum five shot. And to reload it, you have to pull the, the cylinder pin out, drop the cylinder, put a fresh cylinder and put the pin back in. He said, there's no way in hell you can qualify that. And I said, and I said, yes, there is. And I did. When you get comfortable with your firearms, you can do anything with them, but you want to be comfortable with them. Now, we're not talking about the legalities or the moral issues here. We're talking about the fact that there is a high probability that you're going to need to have a firearm to defend yourself and your loved ones with. You need to do it as quickly as possible. Now, I told you already, and you've seen this. When the Schumer hits the fan, it's going to happen so fast that you're not going to know what's happening. Which means if you're listening to me and you're thinking, you know what, I think he's right, I better get a gun. That means today or tomorrow. That means as soon as you can. You get what you can afford. Anybody can afford 200 bucks for a pump shotgun, okay? And you can go on YouTube, and there's all kinds of training sessions on there. There's all kinds of disassembly assembly uh, uh, videos on there. So there's no excuse for not knowing what you're doing. All right, I got to get out of here. Give us a call. Survival Enterprises, 800-753-1981. 1-800-753-1981. We have zinc here. I've got to get it up on the, on the website. I haven't done that yet. Sorry. I know I got lots more to talk to you about, but I don't have time. Keep your nose in the air and your ear to the ground and realize we've been had. The uh, powers that be, this is an exercise. And everybody in the intelligence departments all over the world knows it. And now you know it. I'll see you next time.